Good morning and welcome to Jew in the City Speaks with your host, Allison Josephs, also known as Jew in the City. We've had a lot of interesting guests on this show for the last couple of years since it began. It's hard to believe that we are uh, closing up the second season, but we are very soon. Um, and it's really been a privilege to speak to many of them. But um, the, the woman we have on today is probably, uh, when I heard that she was going to be on the show, probably someone, you know, out of many people we have it on, um, I feel um, really uh, both excited, inspired, a little bit nervous, um, really privileged that um, she's giving up her time uh, to speak to our audience today. Um, you know, we're in a generation now where I think on one hand, I hear people say kind of where are the leaders? I think maybe there's a question of is there enough leadership that are speaking out for what's important and for, you know, what our community needs. But on the other hand, um, unfortunately, these incredible leaders, and I feel like a lot of them, like female leaders, um, have emerged through tragic events in, in the Jewish people. Um, I saw this when, um, I'm trying to remember the name now, the, the family um, in Israel that was, um, you know, desecrated and murdered um, uh, a few years ago, and their maybe 13-year-old daughter was saying the most wise things um, to the media. Um, okay. and. Um, there was a woman in France who lost half of her family in, um, you know, uh, a, a terrorist gunned them down, and she emerged with, you know, so much amuna and so much, you know, uh, faith in Hashem. And um, these are maybe leaders that certainly never wanted to um, emerge in this way, um, but you know, unfortunate events in life, um, you know, sort of caused them to step forward and share their inspiration um, with the rest of us. Um, two years ago, I'm sure everyone here listening remembers, two years ago this past June, um, we heard news out of Israel that there were three boys that had been captured, that had been kidnapped. Um, I remember it very clearly. I was um, on the Shabbaton in uh, Waterloo, Canada, in Ontario. We heard the news, the kind of the weird thing, the freaky thing about hearing about this news and kind of what transpired afterwards is that it was only a few days before over Shavuos that um, a member of the formerly Hasidic community, uh, who was not a very happy with sort of Judaism and a lot of the Jewish people, he came over for a meeting. He had kind of been a little bit of an online enemy um, to me and to Jew in the city, and he would write very nasty posts. This woman's a liar. This is whitewashing. This is not what orthodoxy is like. And the, what he was describing, was, it's not what his orthodoxy was like. It was very much what the orthodoxy that I've perceived and the people contributing to Jew in the City have perceived is like. But it was different than how he experienced it. And he came really um, looking to make peace with, with me. He had realized that some of the causes that he was fighting for was inciting anti-Semitism. He came to me to make a meeting to try to find out how to change his tone a little bit to not incite anti-Semites. And it was a very positive and productive meeting. And a comment that I made to him that sort of stuck in my mind once the announcement of the boys being kidnapped uh, came out was I said, we Jews do a lot of fighting, a lot of infighting with one another. And the only time we can seem to run in the same direction is when we have Nazis chasing us. And I just kind of said that, you know, as an aside, like you know, we have to sort of have... Uh, our feet to the fire in order for us to come together. And then it was only a few days later that news came out of Israel that these three young boys had been kidnapped by terrorists. Um, and that was the beginning of the hell that unfolded for 
Racheli Frankel, who is our guest today, and the, the families and the friends of these three boys. And um, we had, they've established um, in, you know, in the wake of their passing and the, the you know, um, really unity and coming together of all parts of the Jewish world, they've established the Unity Prize, Unity Day, and so we are so privileged um, for Racheli to be joining us today on Jew in the City Speaks. So thank you so much for joining us this morning. Shalom, good morning. Um, so just, um, you know, I kind of gave a, a little bit of an intro here to, in a story that I'm sure really all of our listeners know, but if you could take us to a little bit of kind of the, the backstory here. As far as I understand it, the other mothers of the two other boys or the other parents were all Israeli, but do you have some American connection? Were you always in Israel or you lived in the States first? Or? Uh, I, I had the privilege of being born in Israel. My parents made Aliyah. Many many years ago, before I was born, Got it. and from New York, um, and my I have a lot of family in the states still. That uh, when they first came, we were the only family members here. But over the years, thank God, uh, some more cousins joined us. Very nice. And so, so growing up in Israel, I mean, there's obviously a ver- you know, a certain reality that all Israelis, um, you know, kind of a consciousness. I I lived there for three years. Both of my sisters and parents have made Aliyah. Um, Bezrat Hashem, our Aliyah, you know, won't be too much more delayed. Um, there's a certain mindset. I, I remember a family I used to visit in the old city. Um, the, the woman was telling me, the mother was telling me that her um, son was playing like, you know, Pigua in Burger King, you know, to terror attack in Burger King. And part of his game was, you know, playing where the, the dolls, like, you know, had their arms and legs, you know, pulled off and sort of in the wake of the bomb. So there's obviously oh a certain <laughs> mentality of being raised in a place that does have enemies on every side um, that are looking to, to really kill innocents. Um, do, do, are you, I, I'm a worrier by nature, so when we lived there for the two years, my husband and I were married and learning there, I had many, you know, um, f- you know fearful thoughts of things that could happen. Did you live with that kind of consciousness? Was it more just life as usual? What, where were you before this awful tragedy happened? Uh, you're right that it's always in the air, and in a way, I remember once we decided to to take a, a long vacation and pretend we went abroad, and we had a rule not to hear any radio, not to read newspapers. We're just going to have a few quiet days uh, in Israel pretending like we're in the end of the world. But then we got to the museum and the, the guard said, did you hear about the figurines? And, you know, it, it's part of, of the fabric of life here and, and everybody feels so connected that even if you're many kilometers away, you hear about every detail. But as far as the experience, um, no, I never lived with the, with the fear of anxiety. Uh, it, it, it's probably more a personality type. Uh, I just, my boss in, uh, in Nishmat, I'm lucky enough to work in two Torah places for women, Nishmat and Ratan, sure. and uh, Robertson Hannah Henkin, that just lost Rav uh, Tam and Nama a few months ago in a terror attack that started this current wave. Uh, she said that it was always on her mind. She was always worried. She'd always thought of the possibilities. Uh, for me, it wasn't like that. We were living our very, very quiet life. A very beautiful area. The boys were learning, and uh, we, we actually live halfway between Yerushalayim and Tel Aviv. Uh, not, not even West Bank, <laughs> but the boys were studying in uh, in Kfar and Gush and 
we had some rules, uh, you know, for a couple of years. We didn't let them uh, take rides home. Uh, then we saw it make their life so difficult that we gave up on that. Uh, I, I was never worried. But I'm saying even in terms of like hitchhiking, there's all, even if you don't, there's all different ways that terrorists, uh, you know, uh, plan to, you know, we were just in, we had the privilege of being in Israel for Pesach and we had sort of a fear about going to the old city and really every step I took, I was watching my children and my husband and he was, he's more like you, just kind of, you know, walking along, not a care on his mind. And then um, I think the next day someone was stabbed, you know, entering. So um, you could be anywhere. There's no... Yeah, uh, you know... <laughs> right, and and you, in this current wave, it was all over, it was in Tel Aviv, in Ranana, in Beersheva, not only in Jerusalem, not in, only in the West Bank. Uh, we've seen it happen to a girl that took a taxi and, and was murdered by, by the taxi driver. Uh, you mentioned the Fogel family, they were slaughtered in their bed. So it's not really about hitchhiking, it's probably part of the price of living here. Today, uh, the war of terror is part of the war that our enemies uh, are wanting against us. Our enemies are, I just saw a video that was made, um, this political, um, I guess he's a commentator, he makes, I don't know if he's satirist exactly, he pretended to be friends of Hamas, he went to Portland State University, and he said, we're here to raise money, we're here as part of the resistance, it's the next step after BDS, and... We'd love for you to help us. You know, the, our, our F-16s, the poor man's F-16 is the suicide bomb. And so, look, we're going to hit soft targets, schools, hospitals, cafes, malls. Would you, would you give money for this cause? And student after student said, sure, sign me up. It, it's almost like, is this, is this a joke? Is this actually happening in America in 2016 that people are planning to support terror organization bombing schools and hospitals and it, it appears that this is actually a real you know so our enemies I guess you know they're not so brazen in thank God other parts of the world to not actually pick up the the gun and the you know create the bomb themselves but college students wanting to fund terror operations against children and sick people in Israel it's it's sickening um, yeah, and it doesn't stay in Israel. We, we, we meet it in Paris, we meet it in New York. Terror is all over the place. It's not just, it's not even only the Jews' problem. For sure, 100%. Obviously, you remember exactly where you were the moment that you heard the news. At, at what point, who, who figures out that the boys are missing? You realize they're not calling in, or at what point did, did you realize that something had happened? Uh, it was the last day of school in high school, and uh, my son was on a field trip. Uh, he was supposed to come the next morning, Friday morning, and he, he spoke to us, and then he texted us that actually he's coming tonight. Uh, it was about 9 o'clock in the evening, and I think it took us about an hour to see the message, and we, we texted him back, uh, oh, great, <laughs> we're expecting you. And then... Um, you know, three weeks later, we, we looked at the, at, the, at the timetable and we saw that we sent our response two minutes after it was all over. Mm -hmm. But uh, for us, it was a Thursday after a very long, intensive week, and we had an early night in, and we knew that he's, he's big and responsible and he's fine. Mm -hmm. uh, about 3.30 at night, there were policemen banging out at, door, at our mm -hmm. door. 
uh, it turned out that his classmate Gilad was in touch with his parents, and his, at some point his phone went dead, and they tried to, you know, they expected him, and he didn't show up. And then they, they started making phone calls, and the friends from school, they were just uh, finishing 11th grade, uh, they said that Naftali and Gilad left school together. So eventually they got to the police station in Modi'in, and the policeman came here, just, just to make sure that Gilad is sleeping by Naftali. So for a second there, I thought it's all about walking upstairs and finding them safely in bed. That didn't happen. Then I tried their phone. And then I knew we were in trouble, but I was thinking about uh, traffic, you know, a, a car accident or something like that. I think it took about two hours until we got the last location of the cell phone, and that was in the Chevron area, which is the opposite direction of our home. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah, from there on, it, it was already yeah, a surrealistic, I don't know, you can't imagine being in that. A nightmare, everyone's worst nightmare. Um, and so what, was the news publicized right away? I'm saying were the calls to pray and to search and that sort of thing, did we hear about it um, pretty much after you found out the news? So for us, it happened in the middle of the night by, you know, by... by uh, Five, six in the morning, uh, everybody involved in the school uh, knew about it and, and was, you know, they were calling all the friends to find out maybe they're here or there, even though, again, the last location of the phone was a very telling uh, piece of information. And uh, in the meantime, um, Eyal, that was two years older, he was 18, going on 19, Um, he came from a different place, and uh, because he was older and more independent, it took a little bit uh, longer to, to understand that, that the fact that nobody could reach him is, is a serious problem. And I think by 8 o'clock in the morning, his parents were worried, and by 10 o'clock they got to the police. When they got to the police, uh, it was a known fact that they were searching for missing boys from that area. And I, I sent, you know, I woke up my kids, my younger kids, and sent them to, to school and kindergarten without telling them that anything is going on. But approximately, approximately at that time, I, 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 I was noticing that the, na- the names were going around and people were hearing about it. And I, I actually went to their school to, to speak to them before anybody reaches them. Uh, I yeah. remember that it was, it, there was some kind of celebration there and the girls didn't want to leave. So I was just standing there monitoring that, that nobody approaches them before me. Hmm. And again, it was very surreal. <laughs> and so what kind of... So the first way. And, and then within hours, the IDF team was in our home and things rolled from there. I'm sorry, who, who was in your home a few hours later? An, an IDF negotiation oh, team IDF. Uh, uh-huh. arrived at our home around, uh-huh. around the middle of Friday and they stayed with us 24-7 Uh, giving us support, uh, taking care of us, being a reliable source of information. That was an amazing thing. And how about in terms of like community outreach? Of I'm saying what sort of things did neighbors do, did friends do, did strangers do? Are there any stories from these three weeks of people going above and beyond to, to kind of help carry at least a piece of that weight, that, that horrible weight that you were carrying? How long is your program? 
<laughs> okay, it, it, if you could pick maybe like one, one or two pieces. We have about 15 <laughs> minutes. Yeah. Um, family, neighbors, the close community, the ex- ex- you know more extended community around here. Uh, eventually, and this didn't take long. The whole of the state of Israel, and then within you know another half of a day, suddenly it became the whole of the diaspora. Everybody was reaching out. Uh, people that had practical things to do uh, all over the world. They called the, the... A couple of days later, there was a delegation from, from Argentina in our home, uh, another delegation from Rome. People were calling from all over the world, people reaching out, people praying. Uh, I, I got phone calls from you know South America, Australia. I spoke to Jews in Kathmandu. There were, I, I later got pictures of... of uh, and, and, you know, Chabad houses and all those places in the most distant places and everywhere there were the boys who nobody knew. Uh, neighbors took care of every last detail of our life, uh, food, cleaning, uh, helping us out with the kids because our days were very intensive and busy. In, in, the, in the, you know, utmost sensitivity and, and respect and preparing for a long situation. You know, it wasn't just a, a two-day spurt of goodwill. People from the very beginning were, were, were making charts of what, what if this takes a very long time. Uh, people, people came to our home with everybody with a piece of their heart, uh, farmers with, with, with seeds of flowers and, mm. and produce. And, uh, and, you know, this lady comes over and she... She says, oh, I like, I, I saw that you like the purple color. I saw it on television. I have this little piece of jewelry I'd like to give you. And, you know, oh, it, it's, not, it's not about the jewelry. It's about giving a piece of your heart. Sure. Uh, people in the diaspora, people contacted their parliament members, their Congress uh, representatives. They wrote letters. They rallied. They prayed. They organized uh, everything. It was just unbelievable. Uh, they got us to go to the U.N., to speak in front of the Human Rights Council. The next thing on our agenda was some uh, Italian Jews arranged for a meeting with the Pope. <laughs> you know, thank God we didn't have to go there. But right. it, it was just, I, I can speak about this for hours. Yeah. I, I'll there tell you one a- more little story. Um, I, I bring this just as an as a example. It's one of my favorites, but just like this one, there were many, many, many all over. There was a, a community from Scottsdale, Arizona, a beautiful, tiny community that decided to collect a thousand mitzvot in merit of the boys. Mm. And then, you know, it became a thousand mitzvot in memory of the boys. I actually asked the rabbi, didn't people, you know, lose their motivation once they heard the news? And he said, no, on the contrary, it only, it only grew. And they, then they made this clip of uh, the mitzvot that different people collected. And so it's, it's a variety of people. So one says, I'll, I'll put on fill-in once a week. And one says, I'll kosher my p- kitchen. And one says, I'll try not to fight with eggs. Mm-hmm. And, and then, you know, after I saw the clip, many months later, a lady approached me and said, you know, I didn't want to say this on the clip, but my mitzvah was that I decided to date only Jews. Huh. It, eventually, it had a profound effect on, on many, many people. And, mm. and I don't know, if there's any comfort, it's a comforting thought. But people were unbelievable, unbelievable. I, in, in a world where there's so many people that are, you know, murdered every week 
and hardly anybody winks. You right. think of Daesh, you, you think of things happening in Africa, all over the world. Here there were three kids that didn't come home from school, and millions of people were losing sleep over it. I think it, it speaks volumes about, about who we are, about who, who we can strive to be. So what do you think, because I'm looking now, we wrote up an article around the time that um, Lapid said that he prayed for the first time in six years since uh, picked up a prayer book, his grandfather's sitter, and he prayed uh, for their return. And Shimon Perez met with you and said um, three, that Israel has changed in a big way to lift, lift up the nation to heights previously unknown. So what, what was it? What do you think was different when there have been other, I mean, there have been other, obviously, people killed. There have been other, even people gone missing. Do you have any, is this maybe a question that we can't answer, but do you have any inkling as to why we were unified in this way? Uh, You know, in one way, it's a big mystery because it's not only that there are so many tragedies all the time or hardships, it's also... The healthy way about, you can't open the news every day and carry, you know, instantly the sorrow of the world on your shoulders. You, you try to live a, a healthy, happy life. Right. But it, 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 I, I'm not sure, but there's a few elements. Uh, first of all, the significance of, of children in, in our lives, uh, the significance of families and and, you know, as you said, it's everybody's perfect nightmare. So mm-hmm. the people were picturing themselves in this situation. Um, another is that there was hope. It wasn't finalized for 18 days. And where there's hope, there's opportunity to do, to reach out, to express the connection. To, to, it, 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 it connects to the, to the better part of us. Um, and even the, the concept of... Um, of hostages of Shavuim has a long, long history in, in Jewish culture of Jews being willing to, 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 you know, turn the world upside down to get back our own. Mm-hmm. Um, and by the way, I must say, there were many wonderful non-Jews that reached out and mm-hmm. before and, you know, while we were searching and afterwards, uh, which was very impressive too. Mm-hmm. And what about, I mean, I want to talk more about Unity, and we're going to switch over in a moment to the Unity Prize and Unity Day, but just, you know, a, a question that I'm sure everyone is wondering is how do you maintain emunah? How do you maintain faith in in such dark and tragic and through such heartache? The, I, the name I meant to say before was Fogel. The, the 13-year-old or 14-year-old daughter who survived had such words of wisdom. Um, where do where does that strength come from, or where where does Amuna come from in a time like this? Well, I, I think strength and faith are not exactly the same thing. Okay. Uh, as far as strength, I, I can I, I can speak both about the support and about the, the many blessings we have in our life. Um, there's there's a wound, there's pain, there's uh, everything that comes with with a loss. Uh, but there's also a lot, a lot of blessing and and thank God joy. And, you know, when you, you try not to paint your whole life in one color. You you, you try not to become your, your pain. You, you can feel sorrow. You don't have to become your sorrow. And, and to keep the full spectrum of, of experience, of talent, of blessing, of everything that comes along. 
Um, and we were, we're three families. We were blessed with young children at the time. So mm-hmm. when you feel like, you know, going under your quilt and saying, I'm coming out of here in six months, you have a four-year-old climbing all over you and he needs what he needs and he's not, you know, he's not, yeah. not going to let you get away with it. Right. Faith is a different story. Um, I'm aware of the concept of, you know, people having a, a crisis in faith when they're so disappointed and they didn't get what they want, etc. For me, <laughs> faith sounds a little bit irrational in my world because before there were bad things happening to other people mm-hmm. and I was a believer, so, you know, what changed? Huh. But beyond that, it was mostly... Uh, an experience of being vulnerable and being fragile, so exposed. And, you know, our modern life is quite pampered, and here we were, and the thing we wanted more than anything in the world was totally out of our control. So being in that place for me is more uh, a lesson in, in humility and proportions, and, and, and it is uh, a lesson in faith. And, and just being vulnerable is, is more true to our existence in this world uh, than, you know, pretending that we can control everything. Mm. So, so now tell us about this beautiful. Tell tell us about the Unity Prize. Um, at what point? I know this is already the second year that the Unity so Prize. So summer started with a, yeah. So right, when right, when right. did it? Who who thought of it? When did so the, did the, the, the that summer started with eighteen days of. I'm sorry. Uh, okay. Well. Hello? Repeat the question and I'll answer. Okay. Oh yeah, sorry. So um. So when did the Unity, yeah. Unity Prize start, yeah. and then when? And what was the idea behind it? Like, why? Why did you decide to do this? And I guess explain to us also what what is it exactly? Maybe that's a good explanation too. Okay, so uh, you know that, that summer started with eighteen days of searching for the boys, and then we the, a war broke, and there were fifty one days of, of a difficult war, and there was a lot of hardship and, and pain. But there was a certain glory to it, the, the, the heights that people reached in, in connection and in being there for each other, you know, people around the world. And by the end of the summer, we, we felt a responsibility to try to keep that spirit alive. And we understand that, you know, after every high, the, the day-to-day life is, is full of lows, but, but it really, it spoke to us as, you know... It, it, it was testimony to, to something true about these people. So uh, the mayor of Yerushalayim, Nir Barkat, uh, after visiting the, the Shiva houses, came up with this idea of the, uni- the Jerusalem Unity Pride, which today, you know, after some development, had two components. One is giving recognition and encouragement to uh, special people that are working towards creating solidarity, unity, connections, bridges in the Jewish people. And the other is Unity Day, which is working itself into the Jewish calendar in Israel and around the world. This is the second year. And it's, it's a time out to, to do something to connect. Um, you know, I, I get to meet people from different communities around the world, and they tell me, you know, a miracle happened to us. And I say, what's the miracle? And they say, at that time, first in, in prayers and rallies, and then in you know memorials, we were standing together, Hasidic Jews, ultra-Orthodox, conservative, reform, modern Orthodox, secular, so-called non-affiliated Jews, 
And, and you know, the, the elders of the community don't remember this happening for decades. Yeah. So we're, like, kind of turning back to them and saying, we beg you, let's, let's do something like this, like you said in your introduction, when, when there's no sword on our on our neck. Um, yeah. And amazing things are happening. We're having this year over 600 events in Israel and all over the world, all together in about 25 different um, countries, mm. in in hundreds of communities and schools and in Israel and the army and in the youth groups and uh, different kinds of things. Every community decided, we, we gave, you know, ideas and support, but every community decided what's right for them. Neighbors that live next to each other, but they don't go to the same shul, so hence they hardly speak to each other. Uh, make an effort to connect, to speak, to to recognize that we're family. Mm. So, when can you give us just one example of something that some of us listening can do? Can we find out what's happening in our local community? Um, is there like a place to look for that? First of all, uh, there's the option of looking up what's going on in your local community, and if nothing is going on, um, become part of it. At least uh, facing next year towards uh, um, creating activity and initiatives. To, to help Jews connect to each other, different kinds of Jews and Jews that are closer to each other. Um, there, there is a website of the Jerusalem Unity Prize that, that has a very, very long list of, uh, of ap- options for activities. Um, and can you give us the website? And, 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 and the, what, truth what is is, the truth is, I'm saying the, the, the Jerusalem Unity Prize website list, a very, very long uh, list of the many activities in Israel and around the world. Okay, uh, and, and any local what initiative is more than... Sorry? What, 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 what do we type in to find the website? Uh, it's the Jerusalem Unity Prize. That's the... That's the is it the, dot, the, dot com, the, dot org? Search word. Okay. And, and, it's, and it's happening <sighs> tomorrow on uh, June 1st. So um, basically, it's going to be every year. It's going to be around the yellow site of the boys. This year, it's a little bit early because school year is ending, and we wanted to still get the educational system involved. Uh, in Israel, it's mostly um, tomorrow, on June 1st. In New York, on Sunday, the events of the Israel Parade are uh, under this title of, uh, of uh, unit. Sorry, I, I'm going back on this. In Israel, most of the programs are tomorrow on uh, Wednesday, June 1st, uh, and, and some of the activities are going on in New York uh, around the Israel Parade and the Israel Day. A lot of the activities will be under this title of unity and promoting unity. Uh, other activities are going on, you know, for, for the next month, and the youth movement, movement in Israel are, are going to have activities going on for the whole summer. Thank you so much. Well, we we very much appreciate you uh, you speaking with us today and sharing your inspiration and this information. And everyone should check out the Jerusalem Unity Prize. Thank you so much, and we only wish you and your family all the best. And that um, this horrible tragedy should try to bring as much achdut and unity and love and connection to the Jewish people um, until uh, you know. Uh, Mashiach comes. Thank you so much, and thank you for listening. Um, and you can catch us here, same time, uh, actually different time next week. We'll back to our regular slot uh, on Thursday mornings. Thanks so much.
Thank you for your support. And okay. Thank you.